Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on increasing tips for servers because of the pandemic, writing personalized notes in books, sending a proper thank you to someone working from home, and signatures on text messages. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question of the week is about greeting other household members in the morning and saying goodbye when you leave later in the day. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we discuss gifting. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Well, it's been a week, but I figure we should actually do a quick recap on Thanksgiving since we hadn't actually had our Thanksgivings when we recorded the last episode. (laughs) How was your Thanksgiving, cuz? It was awesome. Nice. Nice. I like that answer. So I was sitting on the couch with Pooja last night and I turned to her and said, can you believe that Thanksgiving was only five days ago or something like that? just felt like so long ago. Long ago. ago. (laughs) And we both did the math in our head. No, it was just the end of last week, not the week before that. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, there's been a a shift, a change in gears for sure. Well, we had a, a nice holiday, but we're really missing m- missing the rest of our family. But it, it was nice to eat a meal with my folks and, and have it be kind of a traditional, really comforting meal. Yeah. And it was also fun. I, I kind of held off on holiday movies and things like that until after Thanksgiving. I wanted to kind of celebrate my holidays in order. <laughs> so I tried to find like Thanksgiving themed comfort movies, you know. But it was really fun to kind of dive into to getting ready. We celebrate Christmas, and so it was it was fun to dive into getting ready for some of Christmas and kind of let that holiday cheer of, of seeing the neighborhood put up lights and things like that start to start to inspire and, and comfort. <laughs> Did I tell you what Anisha's thing that she is thankful for is? No, what was it? Christmas. And <laughs> she takes after her dad. Yeah. <laughs> But we did the same thing. We It was the day after Thanksgiving, that Friday, and we just started that process of taking out the boxes and going through the Christmas decorations. It was so much fun. She's just hitting that <laughs> age where the characters in the crush set are are, are, are are toys. They're coming alive for her. The mm-hmm. trimming the tree is something she can participate in, and it's it's just so much fun. She's really experiencing it, though, you know, for, for all its glory. It's nice. Exactly. <laughs> But I got to tell um, you, because before yeah. we leave Thanksgiving completely, um, we, we also had a bit of a Thanksgiving etiquette catastrophe. 
Did you really? We kind of did. And it was you talking about the, the, the feeling of satisfaction around that meal and sitting down for yeah. that meal. And we totally blew it. We never achieved that. <laughs> we had an awesome Thanksgiving in so many ways, but we actually never this achieved This is why we never saw table. your table. <laughs> well, that was a different excuse. But um, I, I had a hard time actually getting the Instagram to work. I just, I, I realized Oh, guys, how, he's admitting it. He's throwing himself under the bus. I actually tried. I spent about 15 minutes and I was sitting there with my phone. I was like, how do I do this exactly? didn't call your cousin to say, Lizzie, how do I do this? <laughs> I was trying to do a story. I didn't know how to do a story. Oh, oh guys. Oh, guys. Now you know why why our Instagram <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of personal participation. We will get you confident on the Instagram. I appreciate that. So short story much longer, the reason the meal never came together was Mm -hmm. our coordination of all of our family Zoom calls wasn't done well. Each each call had been set up well, but the the timing over the course of the day and we were delivering Thanksgiving food to other people and just the way our day – Unrolled, and then we had kid naps and kid lunches, and the actual meal wasn't till like mid afternoon. At that point, people had had these kind of partial lunches, and that part was a little disappointing. It was like we we, we overbooked, we overbooked, we didn't prioritize ourselves. So, <laughs> learned a lesson next year. That'll be better. <laughs> next year, I'm sure will be different. <laughs> but that is for next year, and for now, I'm letting Thanksgiving go, and. <laughs> Thinking about the future, and I apologize about the Instagram. I will, I will get there. But we'll get you there. We'll get you there. You are turning into an Instagram savant. No, that yes, is you are. not true. Maybe by comparison, since you can't figure out a story, but I would say that I had a ton of fun last night. Um, I got to do an Instagram live with at Poppy Lady Tracy, who gives tips and reviews on everyday living, and it was so much fun because she's a long time, like five year podcast listener. She knew episodes and questions and was able to ask about them and reference what we talked about, and I, I just had so much fun. It was, it was the best thing talking to a awesome etiquette listener for that long because it felt so much like what I think we sometimes wish we could do to the show, which is open up the conversation mm-hmm. um, or have more conversations with people other than just us. And don't get me wrong, Dan and I talk so much because we really do like talking to each other. And so we we love doing the show as, as two hosts bouncing things off, but hearing the direct problems someone else was dealing with, how they felt about it when it got awkward, what actually ended, like getting to talk to someone all the way through the issue or the question at hand and examine the personalities like with the person right there was unbelievable. It was so much fun. It was that part that sounded so interesting to me, this idea of, well, okay, so in this particular situation, would this kind of approach work with this kind of person? You you know them, and mm-hmm. to be able to get that answer and really refine an answer, I, I bet oh, it was really so satisfying. Fun. It was really, really fun. And it, it was also just fun getting to kind of uh, be face-to-face with listeners, you know? Sure. Um, we've done emailing. We do a lot of, you know, back and forth, either via text or, or on the social media and DMs and things like that. But it was really cool to be live with someone and kind of get to geek out together on etiquette. You know, we talked about gifting etiquette, re-gifting etiquette. 
Lizzie Post, did you end up talking about etiquette? We did. We talked about so much etiquette. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. But it was so much fun because it was like, in the, we weren't, I guess, I mean, you are always trying to give advice, but it was fun to talk about what I probably would actually do with the actual characters in my life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like, I don't know, like, I'm cheeky. I would say this, like, and hope I could get away with it with a nice apology in my back pocket if I, if I didn't, you know, it was a really fun conversation. Um, but I also got to do another interview with a podcast listener, Tracy Fox, who is is a host of the Happy Self podcast. Uh, she's also an author, and she was awesome. She's um, uh, a- another kind of person in the world of etiquette, and just the conversation that we had, I really, really loved it. I hope you guys will give a listen. We are going to um, be posting links to it in the coming week, and it it was just a lot of. Um, it was like it was again kind of getting to geek out with another version of Dan. You know what I mean? Like it was it was really cool. So could that be the Instagram version of me? <laughs> you want Tracy to be the Instagram version of you? <laughs> no, I need to be the Instagram version of you. But Tracy, can we're gonna get you. We're get gonna get you up there and doing that. Don't you worry. <laughs> and yes, both of these women were named Tracy. I had two two Tracy interviews. <laughs> Well, thank you to both of the Tracys for being longtime listeners and for drawing us out into that Instagram world just a little bit. Do you think, cousin, that it might be time for us to get to some questions? Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Some etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. 
Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is asking, are we changing tips due to COVID? Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I wanted to write because I know one couple who is obsessed with money. They like to go all out for outdoor dining, and it's a nice time until the bill comes around. Now, I normally like to tip 20% and don't necessarily lower it for worse service because waitstaff deserve a living wage. I do a little less for takeout. Now that food service workers are risking their health to help people have somewhat normal dining experiences, I like to do 20% for takeout and 25% for restaurant service. While I don't expect everyone to stick to my exact numbers and percentages, this person likes to tip 17%, which I just think is too low to give someone who risks their health to give us good experience, and in my mind doesn't show enough appreciation. Other people in our friend group feel the same way about this. Would the acceptable response be for each party to tip as they see fit? I can also see that his wife is embarrassed when he does this, as she is personally generous with retail workers. So would it also be okay for me to bring it up to the wife, who is my closer friend? In private, sincerely, embarrassed dinner guest. This is a tough, this is a tough spot to be in. It is. And I want to thank embarrassed dinner guest for the question. This is a new approach to a COVID etiquette. And we've definitely heard about tipping around social distancing and there have been a few things that have changed mostly around the the numbers the different kinds of people that people are thinking about tipping we're getting service in different ways so that um generally i've noticed is expanding the way people are thinking about tipping and this is the first i've heard the idea that the embarrassed dinner guest presented of starting to feel an expectation that um, table service, which is a really established etiquette, tradition, and expectation. We refer to it here as part of the social contract when you're eating out, that mm-hmm. that tip that you do for um, table service or meals that are prepared and brought to you at a table. The idea that that would be pushed up a little bit is intuitively makes sense, but I also want to be really clear that that's not something that Uh, any etiquette credentialing agency has signed off on. And to the extent that the Emily Post Institute monitors these types of shifts in trends, this is not a trend that, and I'm going to step out on a limb here, Lizzie, you can say whether you (laughs) support me in this or not, that I I would think of as a universal change right now. I understand all of the the thinking behind it, that you want to show more appreciation, that more is going into providing this service than before. And at the same time, because these traditions are so established collectively over time that there really needs to be both a large collective adoption and a little bit of time before that kind of a tradition is going to change in a way that I think it's an an expectation you could have of other people. Mm -hmm. I'm for me, when I'm hearing this question, 
You'll notice I'm about to sidestep judging Dan in any way. No, I'm just kidding. I th- I th- I'm, I'm, I'm in the same spot as you, cuz. But I, I'll, I'm going to modify it a little bit. I have seen people choose to increase the amount that they're giving right now. I, I think a lot of people, A, want to support the restaurant industry, which is seriously struggling. And so if they have the means to bump their tip up, whatever percentage they feel. I mean, I, I know some people are able to be very generous and give double whatever they're paying. You know what I mean? Like some people are really going for it. A lot of people can't do that though. And so the place that the the world of etiquette has landed during the pandemic is that you are more than welcome always to tip to, as much as you want. There is no limit. Sky is the limit on tipping. But typically in these particular circumstances, whether it's takeout or whether it's dine-in or um, that these are what we still traditionally see as the the sort of minimums. And that's still that 15 to 20% range or for takeout, it's a couple of extra dollars on the bill. Or oftentimes that takeout, the, the percentage people go up to is 10%, but you could also go higher if you're really grateful and you really want to help try and, and, and help others out during the pandemic and you can. There's no reason not to, but that the minimums are still there and 17% is still within that. It's higher than the 15, which we say is the lowest for dine-in service. But the issue that I'm really seeing here is one that has been common pandemic or not. Yep. And that is... I'm embarrassed by the tip my host has left. And that, I think, is an interesting conundrum. And the way I would solve it is either ask to split the bill and you leave the tip that you feel appropriate on your bill or ask to take care of the bill, if you can, and you leave the tip that you feel is appropriate. When someone else is taking care of everything for you, you tend to not make it your business what they have decided to put down. I get that you unfortunately know that this person does this. You've noticed it. You've become aware of it. So now you're you're feeling like you can't ignore it. And this is where, and Dan, I'm looking for your help on it. What do you think about the idea of going back later and just leaving a little something extra, whether you remember the name of your server, whether you, you know, stop back, you know, once everyone's gone their separate ways. Um, there's a great scene in Friends, the the TV show Friends, where Ross tries to do this and Rachel's dad flips out on him. Um, What what do you what do you think about that idea? I like it. I'm calling it a 2020 (laughs) exemption. And I've been trying to think of a way to do it myself. And I was imagining approaching the restaurant and you could just Mm -hmm. say this is something I like to do. We ate here and I so appreciate your being here, whatever it is. And I like Mm -hmm. to leave a little gratuity for the service staff just just from me. And mm-hmm. I think that is a that is, and you say in the spirit of stepping it up, just what you want to do in this particular moment to show that gratitude, the root of gratuity, to be mm-hmm. appreciative and to do it in an explicit way. Um, I I think that's okay, and I wouldn't make a big deal of it in front of the other person. In fact, that was, yeah, that was going to be I my next question. <laughs> would explicitly not. I think this is one of those moments where you want that good deed to be something that is coming from you, that isn't a comment on. What anyone else has done. Um, And that's the way I think you generate that that room around what is your right, a a classic and thorny etiquette issue of that you really shouldn't even be interested in the first place what your host is tipping. Yeah. Our listener does ask, you know, should I talk to my his wife, my friend in private that, you know, about this? And I, I tend to say I like the other suggestion better of just taking care of it in your own way. 
again, either by being the person who pays the bill, suggesting that you guys go, you know, split the split the tabs and pay your own way or by doing as Dan suggests and kind of either having something ready as you're on your way out of the restaurant, but doing it privately, not in front of the person or going back later and, and letting the restaurant know who the tip is for or just for the pool in general. Embarrassed dinner guest, we understand that this can feel like an awkward situation, and we hope that our answer provides a little clarity and a few more easeful dinners in the future. The restaurant. Here is a business employing over 2 million persons and doing over $2 billion worth of business annually, all because people have to eat, like to eat, and don't like the work of fixing their own food. Our next question is titled, Personalized Pages. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I hope this message finds you well. I have a question regarding writing dedications inside books. When I give somebody a book, especially a dear friend, I like to write a few personal words on one of the first pages. But recently I heard that only an actual author can make a dedication inside a book. Otherwise, you should only attach a card. Is this the correct etiquette rule? I often receive books with dedications from my friends, not authors, and many <laughs> times I bought second-hand books with somebody's personal note written inside. Please let me know your thoughts, as books are the perfect gift, and I'm planning to send some this Christmas to my loved ones who I won't be able to visit. Thank you, and happy holidays. Best wishes, D. Oh, no. I think we're going to have to give out etiquette demerit cards to all those people who wrote all those inscriptions in all those books. Come see me know, after Dan. class, please. I don't please. know. Yeah. Oh, break out the rulers. No. It's definitely totally fine to write an inscription in a book. At least I I have never been told as an author otherwise or, or, or heard of it being rude to the author in any kind of way. I've received many a book, especially in childhood, that had a happy 12th birthday written. Um, for me, usually they wouldn't write it on a first page, but it would be on the actual, like I'm thinking of the children's books I would get, Dan, where they're like hardcover, you know, big books and on that like inside hardcover, which usually has some beautiful illustration or is a pretty color or something like that, there would be a, you know, happy 12th birthday or happy, okay, maybe like eighth birthday from your godmother, you know, or something For like that. For you on and, your journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. I'm thinking about the places you go with that kind of a message, you know. I've always thought that that was really lovely. And in, in antique books that we get and in Emily Post books that people send to us, I love it when there is uh, some kind of inscription or writing from a previous owner in it. Can I offer the, I wouldn't call it a counterthought, but sort of a, a, sure. another frame to think about this in. And I agree with you a thousand percent. I like that personalization. I love that feeling of connection. The one thing I have heard at signing events or the, a, a question that people have asked is whether or not when as an author signing a book, you sign it just with your name or to somebody or for someone in particular. And uh, yes. if you sign it to someone or for someone in particular, it actually decreases the value of the signed copy yes. that for people that are book collectors. Um, the, the ultimate thing to have is a mint condition book with an author signature in it. Um, and that's also one thing Peter Post taught me was that it's only the signature that the best wishes or the, you know, stay kind actually diminishes the value of the signature being on it as well. Exactly. And the, the, the even the more personalized the note, the more specific it is and the less value it has. So the 
there's that to consider. <laughs> it might not strip away the value to the person receiving it at all. In fact, might increase it for them, make it that treasured personal memory. On the flip side, if you were really thinking dollars and cents, investments in things, which I don't think many people are when they're thinking about Maybe books Maybe you're days, sending antique books. <laughs> that would be just a, a, the, other, the other thought that popped to my mind as I was reading this question. No, it's a, it's a good one to have. Dee, we certainly don't think that you would be categorized as rude for putting any inscriptions in, but we hope that this conversation helps you make a decision for your wonderful gifts this holiday season. And look, they all have their books with them. All the children are quiet while they read, aren't they? This question is titled, Out of the Office Thank You Notes. Dear Lizzie and Dan, first, I want to thank you for your podcast. I discovered it a few years ago when I was in college. You helped me navigate interactions and relationships with consideration, respect, and honesty. The notion of treat others as they would like to be treated really shifted my perspective, and I can't thank you enough for the work that you do. My question... I recently applied for graduate school. Congratulations. I had to acquire letters of recommendation from three faculty members from my former academic institution as part of my application. I'd like to send formal handwritten thank you notes to my letter writers. The problem is I'm worried that if I send the letters to their office on campus, they won't receive them as many faculty members are working from home due to COVID. What do you suggest I do? Should I send a thank you email? I prefer not to. Should I send a thank you card and hope it gets to them? Do I send a hybrid thank you email and thank you card? Mm -hmm. Even pre-COVID, I had a fear that the recipients of handwritten thank you notes wouldn't receive them. Thank you so very much for your time and consideration of my question. I look forward to the prospect of hearing my question and answer. <clears throat> sorry. Of hearing my question and your answer on the show. Best, Molly. Molly, this is a great question. Molly, thank you for writing in and thank you for reflecting back to us the idea that it's important to think about treating other people the way they would like to be treated and letting us know that that idea had some significance for you. I think it's really important and it's a, a big part of what we do here at Emily Post. As far as your particular etiquette question here, I think we have a, a pretty particular etiquette answer that we can provide. <laughs> And I would say – Go for it, Dan. Go for it. There is no cost here. Go with your hybrid plan. I'd say t touch them both ways. Send that email and follow up with a handwritten thank you note that you get in the mail. I completely understand the anxiety about it getting there or not. The snail mail, as it's oftentimes referred to these days, although it's not that slow. I love to tell people it's going to get there in a couple of days is remarkably reliable and dependable. And it can feel a little strange. It can feel a little different if you're not used to using it. And that's one of the things that's so miraculous about it. You have a physical thing that you hand off to somebody and they take that physical thing all the way to the other person and get it to them. And people are pretty good about forwarding mail, about moving stuff on to people or picking stuff up. It, it might take a little longer to get there, but it it most likely will. So have confidence in that, but send that email also so that you feel good in the meantime. I think so. And I think that in the email, I would mention the note because the notes that that higher thing that you really want, you know, and, and that, that you really want a want them to receive, want them to know about. Um, so I might write something in the email that said, you know, um, I wanted to thank you so much for writing a letter for me. I, I have sent a, a, a a snail mail note or a mail note to your office, but wasn't sure how mail was getting to you. So I wanted to send an email as well. 
Thank you so much for the recommendation. Yeah, thank you so much. You can, I, and I was going to say, you could either just simply do a thank you so much again for writing the letter. I really appreciate it. Or you can actually like say this, this is what's coming in the mail and have the actual thank you that you've written in your letter as well. It's up to you. The final thing I'd mention is don't worry if you don't hear that it's been received. That one of the things about a thank you note is that you don't write a thank you note for a thank you note. And there's not an obligation to call and tell someone that it got there. That um, if you don't hear from the person, it doesn't mean that they didn't receive it. And here we have one of those frustrating parts of etiquette where you it's almost like you, you want to know that that thank you has been heard. And it's so hard not knowing. And I do think a lot of times that's why people end up leaning on whether it's, I mean, email still, you're not guaranteed to reply. Text message, you're not guaranteed to reply. But phone call, like a phone call thank you where you can really express yourself and then hear in the moment that the other person or that in-person thank you where where in real time you know they've heard it end up being like just such um, desirable thank you mechanisms. You know what I mean? It's like it's very satisfying to know that your thank you actually got there. And I'm not saying we should create a rule that says you have to let someone know that their thank you arrived, but it's not a bad thing. A quick little, and you don't have to, but just a quick little, hey, you know, thank you so much for your lovely thank you note. It was lovely. Or got your thank you note. Are was you happy sure to you help. Are you want to go down that route? I, Dan, <laughs> are you, are you I'm telling you. wanting to tell people to thank people for thank you notes? <laughs> it's not to thank them for them, but to acknowledge that it was received. Received your thank you note. Was happy to help. You know, like, there you go. That's not thanking someone for a thank you note. It's just acknowledging the gratitude that came your way. And again, it's not a rule. We're not making up a rule. No extra rules right now. <laughs> Molly, it sounds like you're approaching this application process with a lot of intentionality. We wish you the best of luck as you keep going, and good luck getting those thank you notes out the door. Yes, you see good manners wherever there are people who respect each other and want to get along with others. Sometimes, though, you find a person like Mickey Taylor who has lost sight of the importance of good manners or who hasn't realized the values of consideration for others. Our next question is about texts and tone. Hello, I have a question about texting etiquette. My boss signs his name or initials when he texts or chats. It doesn't matter whether we're chatting via mobile or Microsoft Teams. He frequently includes his name at the end of text bubbles. It's usually when he's written a few sentences to reply to a question. It's not a big deal, but I feel his habit reflects a misunderstanding of the slight differences between email and text chat communication. And just appears a little weird. I view texting as a bit less formal, and plus, text bubbles usually have initials or profile pics next to them. It's already clear who sent the message, so a sign-off isn't usually necessary after an initial greeting. Am I, <clears throat> Am I correct to think it's unnecessary to include a name at the end of a text message? And if so, is this something I should bring to my boss's attention? I doubt this behavior is causing any harm, but it just doesn't sit well with me for some reason, and I feel he should know. Thanks. James. James, I love that this is a great generational divide thing, right? Like heads I see up, boss, I see heads up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> boss, it's not hip. Um, but I I but and I think I think that you are you are right in that it often appears so to other people who are seeing a signed name 
under an already identified user or conversation participant, right? So like in a Slack or in a Teams, your name and who you are is identified in the message that you're posting. So it is redundant to put, you know, Doug at the bottom or something like that. And But the thing that I will say is I'm not sure that it actually reflects a misunderstanding of the service or the the platform or the the mechanism that you're using to communicate. I think it's a leftover habit from like first experiences with digital communications often being emails. And you're just used to signing your name on those things. And rather than realize you can drop that in text message or team message conversations it's like carried over and and that's where it like it does show the kind of disconnect and that you haven't kind of totally gotten on board with these um with these uh conversation tools i don't know dan am i am i wrong am i right what do you think no i think you're right <laughs> no i think you're right <laughs> this is one of those where i i like the the framing at the end i doubt this behavior is causing any harm because to me, it falls very much into that no harm, no foul territory where it really isn't asking any extra of someone to see that name at the bottom of a text. It's almost the most work for the person who has to type it each time or yeah. dictate it. <laughs> but that spirit of it it not causing any harm. So to me, that really de-escalates whether or not you should take any action that Mm -hmm. it's not a broccoli on the tooth rule situation for me like you i sort of see it as a holdover i mean maybe even from written communication when you used to jot a note out to someone you put your name at the bottom of it before Mm -hmm. you stuck the post-it on the top of the file that went to the next office or whatever it Mm was i also really appreciated the spirit of this email and the, the last last sentence i feel he should know it just doesn't sit quite right with me and I don't want to say don't say anything because if you had a good relationship with a boss that you could talk to about this kind of stuff, (laughs) things that create impressions but aren't affecting or or, um, dramatically affecting your whole opinion or perspective about someone. This isn't a mission critical issue, but it's just a heads up that you're calling it not cool insta face (laughs) exactly or whatever whatever the thing is. Yeah, Um, they, they might appreciate it if. There was a way you could deliver that in a really low stakes way as part of a conversation about how we all communicate or um, maybe it's a a discussion about people's little idiosyncrasies and (laughs) that happens to be the one you could throw out about the boss. Be careful, though, James. You never know. You might end up now being your boss's person for for, you know, proper um, toning up your digital appearance. Millennial interaction, I don't know, or digital interaction, yeah. You never know. But yeah, I think, I, I'm I'm with you, Dan. No harm, no foul, and at the same time, if you had the right relationship with this person, you could probably find a way to say it. I do think with the delivery, and again, we've already established it has to be someone you can have this kind of rapport with, but the, the delivery has to leave out any tone of like you were embarrassing yourself or like, boy, it really makes you show your age or something like that. You want to leave those kinds of ideas, tones, feelings out of it when you're delivering it. And I'm going to admit 
I don't know exactly what that would sound like right now. We might come up with it later. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely something that you're going to want to tread really carefully with. And I think it's got to be a really good match of person and like receiver and delivery for it to be worth it, you know, especially because it's not a big deal. Exactly. James, thank you so much. This is a really interesting question, and we would love it if you would report back with what you end up deciding to do. Good manners make good first impressions. And because your manners are showing all the time, they have a lot to do with how well people like you. Thank you so much for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. That's I-N-S-T. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. And please definitely send questions in. There's no show without you. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep awesome etiquette on the air. And to you, <clears throat> and to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Sydney about Zoom on Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm going to like this, I bet. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. This is Sydney. I had a solution to the Thanksgiving Zoom question. What we did is... After our meal, those of us who were in, you know, the house together, we set up a Zoom in advance and said the Zoom will be open from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And anybody who wants to or who can just pop in at any old time and say hello. And it was great. We had people popping in at all hours. We had time to spend with everybody. Some people didn't know each other, but they got to know each other. And some people, you know, were just eating their meals. Some people had just finished their meals. Some people were between courses, and there was no problem. So we found that to be a very easy solution. I was right. I did like it. I love that idea of kind of like an open house for your Zoom call. Absolutely. I think those are some of my favorite calls also. There is so little pressure. As long as everybody understands that it's just – this is just another room in the house essentially and – as long as people also understand that there is a live mic and camera. Th those very casual gatherings are some of my absolute favorites. Thank you so much for sending in the feedback, Sydney. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette and tis the season for us to talk about gifting. I feel like it's a new thing. Okay, okay. Before we start, <laughs> before we start, can I say one thing? 
Yeah. One big thing. Yeah. So the oldest cliche about gift giving remains the oldest cliche because we say it all the time because it is true. Okay. It really is the thought that counts. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start us off with sentiment. That's really good. It is the thought that counts. That hasn't changed. And it's what feels good about it. It's the thing that you just really want to, I think, zero in on. And we're going to talk about a lot of uh, sort of tips, common mistakes people make, things for good gift giving. But I think the, the big picture thought that I always like to start any well, postscript about gifting that we're going to do with. <laughs> Any is, annual postscript that we do. <laughs> think about the person. Think about the relation. Think about the care that you have for them and for your relationship to them. And, and try to give something that honors that, that will make them feel good. And you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. Don't get us wrong. It can be hard. It can be hard if you're not particularly good at coming up with gift ideas. But we we do always suggest that that you know this person and let what you know guide you and and it's like you, you know well be confident right like be confident you can do this well but that being said uh one of the other places we like to start which i think is some of our most reassuring advice is that you absolutely when gifting sorry is that when gifting it is absolutely appropriate to stick within your budget. And budgets change year to year. So each year you're probably going to evaluate what you have to work with and then the list of people that you have to give to. It will make it so much easier to stick to that budget if you do a little bit of advanced planning. If you mm -hmm. take the time ahead of time to think about who's on your list and how you want to prioritize that. And if there are specific things or particular things that you were really hoping to, to do or to get for people that you can start to get a sense for what that budget looks like by thinking systematically ahead of time. In sticking with your budget, that also includes that you don't have to get gifts that are of equal value to people who give to you. And I think that that's, that's one thing that can, and, and, and you might actually be in a situation where that's the requirement. Like if you're in a, in a group gift exchange at work and they say, keep it under $10, obviously that's a place where you're going to, you're going to have very similar priced items. But if you receive gifts that were really generous, you do, a, we all know that you don't have to um, reciprocate. Gift giving isn't reciprocal. That if if you hadn't had someone on your list and they give you a gift, you really want to focus on that gift and the giving that they have done as opposed to you not having something for them. But within the gifts that you do do exchanges for, where, where it is I give to you and you give to me, you should still feel confident sticking within that budget of yours. Um, and I think that that's, that's something that we, we reiterate every single year and it never loses its importance. It is. And if you've thought about the person and you've done your best to think of something that they would really like or appreciate, that's the thing that they're going to remember more than how much you spent on them. Exactly. You know, Lizzie, one way that people sometimes save a little bit on gifting is that mm -hmm. they're tempted to re-gift. They are tempted to re-gift. And boy, was this ever a heated debate among the fourth generation of the Post family. Is re-gifting okay? So... In the spirit of approaching regifting well as something that could potentially offer offense um, where people have let us know that they've been hurt, we strongly advise following these guidelines if you're considering regifting. The first point that I think is the, the sweet point is that you regift something that you think someone would like, that you're really operating from that place of giving a gift that comes from a place of consideration, that 
It's something that you genuinely think they would appreciate. That's that's where a gift should come from. If you're not harboring this thought, oh, I'm clearing out my closet, then you can feel really good about the thing it is that you're giving. So a type of gift that would fall outside of the possibility for consideration is anything that is personalized or crafted or made specifically mm -hmm. for you. So um, a tray that's been engraved or a monogrammed anything or something that someone <laughs> knitted. <laughs> Those items are ones that absolutely cannot be regifted. And they are ones that if they are regifted, it's often noticed quickly and it falls super flat because of the personalization, especially when it comes to those monograms or dates, thing, like engravings and things like that. They often are really the big dead giveaway, and it's it's not a good idea to gift those because they're also then monogrammed or engraved with things that are useless to the people who have them. You know what I mean? Slightly trickier territory are gifts mm. that are in original packaging, and mm -hmm. they're particularly tempting. That original packaging actually puts it on the candidate for regifting list. Um, things <laughs> I that, like how you're framing that, Dan. I would have, <laughs> I would have just said it's got to be in its original packaging, but you're like, if it's in the original packaging, that makes it a candidate for a potential regift. <laughs> I know I'm tiptoeing up to this one. And, but I also think it's important. And, and the, this is actually for me, sort of the, the most likely candidates for regifting. The reality mm -hmm. is we live in a world of mass produced consumable Stuff. and disposable goods and <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um there there really is very little practical reason to have two of the same blenders or two of the same instapots or whatever it is um mm -hmm. although we do use dueling instapots occasionally <laughs> um but it's 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 a reality of the world that we live in it's 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 a practical reality that i think has shifted the ground that people stand on when they think about regifting. So if it's in great condition, if it's still in that original packaging, um, I think a lot of people are going to understand. So original packaging or really, really, really great condition. <laughs> I like that amendment. Really, really, really great condition. So those are sort of the qualifiers for if you are going to choose to regift and, and not really make any announcements to anybody that this regifting is happening. The other way that you can regift is to honestly and openly regift something and to say, Dan, I got two Instapots. I know that you have two already, but I really thought you'd want a third, you know, because you use them so frequently. And I've heard you mention you might actually be going for a third. I really wanted to gift you my extra Instapot because I know you'd love it. That's an open and honest regifting. When someone sends you two copies of our etiquette books this year because they know you're an etiquette geek, my just favorite like example. Us, yes, you can regift one to someone else properly and openly. <laughs> but there, there is that option in the world of of regift as well. You, you know, it doesn't have to be an act of sneakiness. In fact, if that's the reason behind it, it's probably not the way you want to be doing it. So, because I have one more gifting tip that's particular to 2020. Okay, what's that? And my tip is going to fall into that category of tip that I find myself giving quite frequently recently, which is mm -hmm. get ready, prepare, do it early. This is one of those years where I know I personally am not going to be able to do a lot of my usual last-minute holiday rounds. 
Like the run around those couple of days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if these things matter to you, if a holiday season full of gifting and gift exchanges is important, um, take this postscript as your opportunity to not just set a budget, but also think about your calendar. And yeah. um, a little bit of advanced preparation, I think, has the potential to set us all up for uh, a really joyful holiday season this year. And I have a feeling that this particular holiday season will be a little extended. We've been warned that the the mail services and the delivery services are are all going to be quite saturated, and so it wouldn't surprise me if it if we're we're gifting right on into early January this year. Worse things could happen. However you end up gifting, we hope that you are excited about the holiday season and excited to participate, and that maybe, just maybe, some beautiful surprises come your way. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms, and today we hear from Lynn. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. Imagine my delight as I tuned into the sustaining member question this week and heard the question I sent you. Thank you for answering it and sending helpful support for whatever decision I make, as well as some good ideas to use, too. Thanks again for all your great advice, Lynn. Lizzie, we got a salute. We did. We got a salute. Lynn, thank you so much. We're so glad that the answer helped and that it delighted you to hear it on the show. That's that's what we love to hear. And we're just tickled. Thank you so much, Lynn. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, and of course, on social media. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps with our show ranking, which helps new listeners find Awesome Etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.